What NFC South receivers should you be concerned about with training camp right around the corner? Who is the guy to draft in a suddenly crowded Buccaneers tight end core? And is Joe Mixon actually the pick over the fast-rising DeAndre Swift in FFPC first-round drafts? Plus, five-time FFPC main event, beg your pardon, seven-time FFPC main event and Football Guys League winner and 2022 Pros versus Joe's competitor, Matt Marcoux, will drop by to discuss why Daryl Henderson should be a target for you. Uh, whether Adam Thielen is a solid investment in drafts this year and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Solace in the scripture, are we not all our father's sons? I became a man, nobody ever told me what a man was. Thank you, Rob. Greetings and salutations to all the Balkaholics and Ferelliacs tuning in. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Coming up on tonight's show, we're going to concentrate on the fantasy value and Elijah Mitchell's backups in San Francisco. Whether you should let someone else draft Leonard Fournette and then five-time, seven-time, let me get it right one of these times. Seven-time FFPC main event and Football Guys Players Championship League winner. And 2022 FFPC Pros versus Joe's competitor, Matt Marcoux, will hop aboard to talk a little bit about his strategy in his second go-round in Pros versus Joe's and what Texans receiver not named Brandon Cooks he's actually targeting and much more. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, do so at HSFFR at Eric Balkman and always learn more about Farrell's Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com. You can post on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash HSFFR and you can also email the show at highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. We'll try to get to all the questions. Uh, if you have any for us, I am at Eric Balkman. Matt is uh, on Twitter at Matt Marcoux. And of course, you can always email uh, highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Send them in now. We'll try to get to all the chat and questions, all the tweets, everything in the fantasy feedback segment coming up later on in the show. want to thank our mutual friend and uh, and uh, show producer, Rob, and of course, my best friend, Bryce, our audio engineer, for helping uh, get the show together once again. The main event early draft slot deadline in the FFPC is Monday at midnight Pacific time. So if you want to get your draft slot by August 1st, make sure you have your teams all paid for, registered, and get all of them at once, too, to take advantage of that um, additional team discount, too, $400 off each additional team. Monday night at uh, midnight Pacific is uh, the deadline for that. The slow drafts are off and running in the main event. You can jump in those. Those have been going good so far. I've seen a couple of draft boards on Twitter for those. Multiple football guys drafts, speaking of seeing draft boards on Twitter, uh, those are filling up every day. I am commissioning the midnight one tonight, so if you'd like to hop in there, we'd love to uh, to see you in there. And by the way, um, I'm doing a new feature for uh, footballguys.com for content. Um, the, uh, the FPC report is what it's called. And it's sort of what I'm seeing in drafts uh, that goes in football guys uh, each and every week on Thursday mornings, I believe. No, Wednesday afternoons. Sorry. Wednesday afternoons that goes in there. So if you want to get some insight on what I'm seeing, make sure you check that out. And maybe uh, if you sign up for the midnight draft tonight, 
uh, I might see something you do in there that will make the article next week. Inaugural Superfall, uh, Superflex Best Ball Tournament is nearly 70% full. Make sure you're getting in on that. The Best Ball Tournament, uh, $200,000 grand prize and a million-dollar prize pool. Both of those have been doubled since 2021. Dynasty Startups available. Slow, live, and sit-and-go best ball options all at myffpc.com. And, of course, kffsc.com, your home to the Run to Daylight Championship, the Draft Masters, and, of course, the main event. The slows are ongoing. I'm in the midst of the Kentucky slow right now. But, Farrell, as I bring in my co-host right now, Farrell, the biggest thing that I take away from the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship main event, shout out to Tupacker on Twitter, who pointed out that I wasn't in the bourbon turn yet. I totally yeah. dropped the ball on that. But that wrong has been rectified as I will be drafting at 7.30 in the morning Sunday in Louisville for the sunrise at the bourbon turn Kentucky main event. Couldn't be happier about it. Eloquently named and oddly enough, well attended our 7.30 a.m. I, I, you know, I was told by some of the drafters, we came all this way. We want to draft. That's right. And so I said, all right, I'll schedule one at 7.30 and this will be a laugh. And we gave it a name for some guys that are known to uh, at the turn of the second and third round begin perhaps their second or third bourbon. And, and oddly enough, uh, everyone was there and ready. And and uh, Balky, I'll have a special breakfast presentation just for you. And oh, uh, nice. We'll keep you well fed, and and we'll have plenty of coffee. Good, yeah, coffee, bourbon, breakfast, fantasy football. I'm going to be all set. And that's just part of the weekend. In Louisville, I'll plan on drafting on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday as well. We got Cincinnati coming up here shortly in the next few weeks um, for the uh, Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship main event there. And then the main event slows are off and running. Somehow I got the first overall pick, which I was really happy about. I like the way that team's turning out uh, as well. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Maybe we'll even touch on that a little bit tonight. I don't know how much time I would we'll have. Love to, I would love to hear about your team. And, and uh, our slow drafts are – are leading the way in our early signup. Mm -hmm. So we have the second one, the, uh, uh, this is the camp opening and then uh, training camp, right? Training camp. Yes. And, and we've got uh, just two spots left in the slow draft. So if any of the listeners want to come in there, it's a great time to get started with us. Do you notice I have a special lanyard on tonight? Yeah. I was going to ask you, were you coming from some sort of college football all-star game gala or something? What was that? <laughs> no, but digging through a old briefcase, I unearthed a treasure. This is the FFPC badge from oh, the very man. first <laughs> FFPC draft, which I was so thrilled uh, to be there. And, and you know, I sometimes it's just things that a lot of memories. And uh, Justin McCord and I uh, shared these teams in the very first year. And what a blast it was. That's so, awesome. Look at that. I'm, That's a collector's item. Yeah, That's I'm fantastic. still my collector's item. I think Dave uh, – the Dizzle designed this because if you notice, it's about the size of a pack of cigarettes. And, you know, back in the day, that was a, that was a go-to, uh, a go-to item for him. Not yeah. anymore. Not no, anymore. He, he only smokes in Kentucky and, and, uh, and Las Vegas. Those oh. are the two, those are the two spots. I never, well, I don't think he's, he's touched. I don't think he's touched him the last couple of years. I think you're right on that. I never um, see him anywhere else. And I never see him with a cigarette. Yeah, so. no, it's, it's pretty rare. It's a rare thing. I think he's, I think he's given them up. Good for him. Um, good for Fantasy Flash tonight as we got a jam-packed show. Let's get into it. Najee Harris said that he has no issues with another big workload in 2022. Blitzberg on Twitter has this report. He led um, the league in running back snaps and touches last season as a rookie. Harris said he doesn't care about the workload again. He'll get it uh, You know, if the Steelers want to give it to him, and that's how they're winning games. He's happy to do it. 
Um, I think from from a, a standpoint of a lot of things I've heard on Twitter and, and podcasts lately, Farrell, it seems like everybody's like, let get the high floor guys in the first round. I don't necessarily know if Najee Harris has an 1,800-yard season on him like Jonathan Taylor put up last year, but certainly he's going to get the volume. Last year he was he – was, um, uh, he led all running backs in expected fantasy points, which is good. He was eighth worst in fantasy uh, points over expected for running backs last year. But you look at where he's going right now in the first, the late first round, I can get on board with Najee Harris. And this is way too early in a guy's career to say, oh, he's going to break down because he had such a big uh, workload last year. I, I can definitely on board, get on board with Harris as a safe first rounder this year. Well, sure you can. And, and, you know, nothing really worked well for Pittsburgh last year, except uh, this player. And Pittsburgh has a more successful offense this year. Um, perhaps less carries, perhaps a bigger yards per carry. I don't see how he can catch any more passes. He, he he approached getting 20 in one game. But a fantastic player that you should uh, – I'm really surprised that he goes where he does. I, I think you could make a legitimate argument for him being in the top three, uh, four picks. Yeah, 108 right now, right behind uh, Austin Eckler and um, the fourth running back off the board. He's going right ahead of Dalvin Cook. Mm -hmm. uh, would you take Harris over Dalvin Cook this year? I think I would. I think I would, and I think I've done so. Dalvin is, uh, when, when I end up with a later draft spot, you know, Dalvin is going to be there. There's no reason to reach for him. Harris not always there. So if you're, if you're right in the middle of the draft, uh, Harris is your natural fit. Let's move on and talk a little bit about Michael Thomas uh, because he got placed on the PUP list, the preseason PUP list, according to Ian Rappaport on Twitter. The Saints veterans are not joining the squad for another four days, so obviously Michael Thomas could be lifted off the pup list before then or at some point in the preseason. He had that ankle injury in 2020. He was running routes on Instagram uh, earlier in July, uh, and reports largely have been pretty positive. We've talked about this on this program, um, so maybe he won't be on there very long. Now. I, I noticed that the Saints drafted Chris Olave. I know that they signed Jarvis Landry. Farrell, right now, Michael Thomas, as I, uh, speaking of Fantasy Mojo, uh, shout out to him for all the great ADP data that he compiles that we put together or that we uh, cite on this show, Fantasy Mojo on Twitter at Fantasy Mojo there, fantasymojo.com. Wide receiver 35 at the end of the sixth round. He's creeping up a little bit. And I feel like while the reports are good now, now I think the ADP is kind of matching with those reports. So I think I'm still avoiding them there. I'd much rather have Hunter. I just took Hunter Renfro in the, in the Kentucky main event that I was in. Uh, I'd rather have him um, and even the younger guys, Drake London, Devontae Smith. I think you could make a case for them over Michael Thomas because we're still a little skittish about this ankle. Skittish about the ankle and skittish about the kind of player that he is away from the field in the locker room and within the team concept. Bill Van Ormora made a uh, wonderful – uh, plea for him as, as a player that he would draft it every time that he sees him in the seventh round. And Bill is the kind of guy who's willing to take a risk and can buy into this player returning. I would like to be positive about this player's situation. And, you know, if he continues to drop, if he ends up uh, eighth or ninth round, I might look at it a little differently, putting other Saints players because uh, Landry and Alave, I think, are very good bargains. Uh, put other Saints players with him in, in a main event team that I can manage the waiver wire with and live with that. Seven, late six, anywhere in the seventh is still a little high for me. Availability is the best ability, and mm -hmm. I'm not sure this guy's got it. 
Uh, Hudson Curran Reeve, the resident Ivy League professor in tonight's program, tonight in the chat room. He wants to know, if, is Chris Olave overrated or is he underrated? When we you can't overrate a player like Olave coming why from can't, So why can't you? Why can't you overrate him, Farrell? Well, he's just he, – he has a profession – he has the most professional experience provided in the college ball that he played, in, within the competition that he played. And he is a very smooth, well-schooled player that you can step on the field. You can you can look at him, and you you take a look at uh, guys like Sky Moore. You can overrate that player, uh, Romeo Dubs. Even where he's going, if you draft him, it, it is it's a lottery ticket to see if he can answer the bell for the Packers. Other players uh, that have shown up in the league but have yet to really break out. We've talked about them before. Gabriel Davis is a situation like that. But Alave brings to the field everything that you want in a college football player making the transition. So when we talked about it uh, very early on, it, the, the thrill for rostering that player was led by our dynasty drafters. And it seems now that there's a little less heat with him because – of well-known names going to New Orleans, but th- th- this player will will set uh, the stage for himself. He'll be successful from day one. I got no problem with him in the ninth round, early ninth yeah. round, which is where he's going right now. I um, will remind you that uh, in C.D. Lamb's rookie year, that's where you could get him. That's a good point. Good, mm-hmm. good pull there. He's going right behind the Titans receivers, Traylon Burks, Robert Woods, and Brandon Ayuk is actually right ahead of him. He's going ahead of Tyler Lockett, Chase Claypool, and the aforementioned Sky Moore as well. So, yeah, you want to take a lobby there? I actually went to take him um, in that Kentucky main event that I was in, saw he was already chosen, realized I'm a moron, and then rude the day I missed out on Chris Olave in this trap. Well, we'll you're not very it. familiar with the software and how to select. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't know what was going on with that. It's just total. It was all Greek to me. I didn't, yeah. I didn't understand. Um, no, let's talk about your Raiders here. Pro Football Talk no. uh, is uh, talking about Kenyon Drake here. He's been cleared. To uh, begin training camp, Drake broke his ankle back in December, and uh, back when the Raiders had their mini camp uh, last month, he wasn't cleared to practice in that. Uh, Drake said he's not going to be at full speed in training camp, but he thinks he's going to be ready to go for the start of the season. Drake may not be 100% recovered, which is bad because I have him on a few teams right now, including some of my dynasty teams. Raiders traded up for Zamir White. Josh Jacobs is still there. Farrell, I can't remember if I've asked you this before, but how do you sort of handle this Raiders backfield? Is Jacobs the guy to target? And then if you get Zamir White or Kenyon Drake later, that's fine. Or is, is one of these other guys, Drake or White, uh, the better value over Josh Jacobs? Now we're talking about a bargain when you begin to talk about Josh Jacobs. I saw in the KFFSC, he was a sixth-round pick recently. I think in, in the FFPC, he's holding it five, but Darren's numbers might inform me differently. I think that um, – a different attack is coming forth from this backfield. The key man is the blocking fullback, Johnson, who will be down around the goal line. And already Jacobs was successful here. But you want to talk about Drake. Um, let's let's avoid Drake in the draft until we see exactly how well he is healing. And let's don't be afraid to spend uh, substantive amounts of uh, fab money to get him if we like what we see early from him. Um, he's a stash and play later in the year. I can live with it if he's if he's going undrafted. But man, there's some there's some good looking running backs, some of which which we might talk about later on tonight. And you know, it's a misused player 
Um, they got a good payday from the Raiders. He's in a right place. He's a very good football player. I don't know if he's going to help us from week one in fantasy football. I'm going to take a pass with keeping my eye open on what I see from him. Yeah, I still kind of like him as a 16th round pick. I mean, obviously, I'm not targeting him there. But, it, you know, if I need a running back or if I, I don't like anything else on the board at that point, he's a good lottery ticket type, uh, type guy. Uh, Dearness Johnson, Hassan Haskins, and Jarek McKinnon are all ahead of him. Sony Michelle, Eno Benjamin, Tyler Batty, and Abram Smith are actually going right behind him now in Josh. Let's just real briefly touch on this because I, I know you, um, you mentioned the ADP for Josh Jacobs. Uh, Darren Armani right now has Jacobs listed at the 603. Wow. Uh, for an ADP, he has now fallen behind A.J. Dillon, the backup in Green Bay, Antonio Gibson, and Elijah Mitchell. Jacobs is going behind all of them. So, zero RB drafters, your your, your spidey sense should be tingling right now with this <laughs> Josh Jacobs thing because I think that he's a very interesting pick in the sixth round. Matt Marcoux is in the on-deck circle as I wear my Brewers hat tonight watching the Brewers game, first game after the All-Star break. Um, before we get to him, let's talk about the signing in Tampa. A tight end. No, not Rob Gronkowski. It's Kyle Rudolph, uh, formerly of the Giants. He signs a one-year deal uh, with Tampa. He's going to turn 33 this year. Um, no O.J. Howard there anymore. No Rob Gronkowski, but Cameron Brait still there. Cade Otten, the rookie out of Washington University, is going to be there as well. I would expect that that Rudolph would probably be in there inside the, the red zone, um, but I don't think he's going to be out there between the 20s. I think Cameron Brait's still my guy for tight ends in the Tampa offense, Farrell. Um. Okay. Um, you know, Kyle Rudolph is labored. He's, he's 33 years old and he's labored with a quarterback in the last couple of seasons that had a difficulty being successful in that offense, uh, from Jason Garrett. I, this is a player that, you know, you might argue with, well, he's, he has some age on him. He's lost a step. His play in the position is not about steps. It's about position of his body, which he has one of the best tight end bodies that we've seen in a long, long time. It's about winning the, the contested ball. It's about high pointing the ball. And I think there's no better um, tight end in the league once you get into the red zone as getting separation. It's, uh, you know, it, it, it goes back to one of the old great Raider quotes, if you're, or maybe it was a Patriot quote, if you're not cheating, you're not really trying. This guy is, is a master at uh, camouflaging his uh, offensive pass interference and finding a way to uh, separate from the defenders and get the ball. I very much like what he can do with this quarterback. And if Gronkowski, um, with uh, his body uh, being riddled with injury like it has been over the years can be successful with Tom Brady. Uh, Rudolph, who is a, uh, a, a, a certain f physiological freak with the workouts, and, and I, I'm all for it, Balky. I think you see this player on the field often, and I think he has a resurgence in his career. And what a great way uh, to be rewarded for a hardworking career that this player has is to spend your last year or two with Tom Brady. Uh, Kate Otten going in the 19th round right now among Tampa tight ends, but Rudolph and Brate back-to-back. Now, the, the difference here is Brate has been drafted in a lot more um, sure. uh, leagues than, than Rudolph was because Rudolph wasn't signed till this week. So right now, 1506-1508 are their ADPs. Um, but maybe Rudolph moves up a little bit more. He's going to get the Farrell Elliott bump now that you uh, that we talk about his body, great body uh, for a tight end over the last several years. Haven't seen anything better. 
Now he's going to move up in Football Guys Players Championship drafts. We'll get the opinion of an expert here as I bring in our guest, ladies and gentlemen. Um, he is a uh, 13-year player in fantasy football. This will be his ninth year playing in the FFPC, and this will be the eighth year he's drafted live in Las Vegas. He has seven FFPC main event and Football Guys League titles to his name, and he actually won the Consolation Division in the 2017 FFPC main event. He's here to discuss not only his draft so far this summer, but what his strategy is going to be in the Pros versus Joe's Challenge this year. He participated in 2016. He's back in 2022. You follow him on Twitter, at Matt Marcoux. Please welcome into the broadcast, Mr. Matt Marcoux. Matt, thanks so much there for coming on. Great to be here, Balky. Nice to, be, nice to talk, chat with you too, Farrell. Good it's, to see you, Matt. This, yeah, is, you. this is always good, Farrell, because Matt is my neighbor, he is. Uh, he lives in the southern half of Wisconsin, right in the greater Milwaukee area, along glorious Lake Michigan. I'm a little bit further up in the about two Aaron Rodgers uh, long bombs um, southwest of Lambeau Field, but we're fairly close, right, Matt? Hop, skip, and a in a jump away. I think you summed it up well. Two Aaron Rodgers bombs. <laughs> exactly. All right. So I want to get into this before we get into fantasy football. You uh, tell us what you're doing for a living, and then tell us what you have been doing over the last, what, 15 years or so? Because I think you have one of the more compelling jobs or careers that anybody's ever had who's been on this program. Yeah, I'm going through a, a little bit of a career trans transition right now, taking it easy, but um, I've made my career being basically a commissioner of video game leagues. So uh, I founded a uh, famous global uh, video game league, the League of Legends Championship Series, for those nerds of you out there. Um, okay. But for the past seven years, I've been the commissioner of uh, Madden NFL, so commissioner at EA Sports. And I, I just recently resigned, uh, decided to take a little, a little bit different path, go move back home, uh, and uh, yeah, focus on some other things. But um, yeah, my, I have a deep passion for sports uh, and video games, and that's what led me to a very interesting career. And this is technically not your first time on this show, because when we were covering you six years ago in pros versus Joe's you actually called into the program when Dave, the Dizzle Gerzak and I were covering the live draft. So this is like old hack for you. Now this is your second <laughs> appearance. This, I, this is, this is, this is, you know, you've been there, done that for you, right? Yeah. I've, I've made a couple camera appearances uh, here and there. Not, not a stranger to that, but this is, I'm, I'm of all the uh, kind of interviews I've done in the past couple of years, I'm very, I'm most excited about coming back here to this show. Wow. That's fantastic. You know, if you're going if if you're going to push that nerd button, we're going to have to have a little <laughs> bit more. We're going to we're going to have to have a little bit more anime posters on the wall. I don't Yikes. see you as I'm looking around here. Do you, do you have a favorite anime show? <laughs> well, uh, that's those are years past. Those are my high school days. I will mm -hmm. answer. I'll drop the answer. Uh, Berserk. Uh, if you yeah. a fan of the manga, uh, yeah, I would say that is uh, something I'm. Uh, happy to say to this day that yeah I, I, I watched it or read those those you know if you did it in the past live with it in the present it's a big you know okay all right we're in the second I only have so much room on my walls I got I got to pick and choose here I got I've got a closet full of memories there so I got to pick and choose yeah you you only have so much room in your fantasy backfield and you can only get one first round pick I did it this week I chose between Swift and Mixon. And it was an easy choice. Earlier in the year, I was drafting Mixon. I guess I had some good vibes left over from the Super Bowl. And, you know, when you look at these guys side by side, both of them 
owned two 100-yard games rushing last year. Um, Swift missed some time but still managed to catch 62 passes. Uh, Mixon was 20 or so less than that. Mixon with a good year, uh, like all Bengals, as, as they made their way to the Super Bowl, 1,200 yards rushing. But for me, choosing Swift over Mixon is, is a better choice. And I did it, and I now noticed that when I did, Mixon fell all the way, almost to the middle of the second round. Are you joining me here? Uh, do you see more of, uh, of, of Swift and being a, an entire year like what we saw in weeks nine or ten where he, he rushed for over 250 yards in two games this past season? It's it's an interesting choice and uh, something I've been thinking about more. I the the one part of the question I don't quite like is you know mid mid to late first round. Like I'm seeing the choice you know slip back uh, in some leagues, but it's it's certainly happening um, around the turn there. And I have a really hard time thinking about drafting a lion uh, in the first round. Not since Calvin Johnson, since that that's been a reality. Um, so I, you know, I don't know if this is a, a ticket to the train to a million dollars or if this is like the train and final de- destination is going to run me over. Uh, I see what you're saying. Like I see the upside of Swift and you're right. If there's a guy who could break out in a sneaky way, I, I, I see the path. Like I see the upside more than, more than Mixon. I just, I, I, you know, it was a fluky year for the lions and I, I just, it's hard to trust what we saw. Um, so it's something that I'm I'm considering more after like listening to the podcast here and seeing Swift jump up in the rankings. Um, I see this more as a uh, you know early second round kind of decision. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's other there's other players on that turn, specifically wide receivers that I'm a bit more excited for. But you you got me thinking. I, I, I'm by main event time, maybe I'll buy in. I was drafting from the 11th spot, and and, and so honestly, I could have had them both. Yeah, and that's wild. Uh, but I wanted the receiver. I, I wanted I wanted to go running back receiver, so it was Swift and and Lamb. But that's beside the point. Would you want them both? Are they compelling enough to you to to you can't separate them? So you would go ahead and choose both of them and get your receiver. No, in the late third? I don't. I don't know that I would do that. If I'm around the t- turn, like my tendency is to mix it up around the turn more. Sure. Um, I, I like I said, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Um, main event time, but I, 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 I'm trying to think of what the, my composition would be after having them both. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think they're, I think they're both great choices as, as an RB one. That'd probably be my strategy is, you know, pick one to bet on. Um, the, both of their lines are much improved. I, I think there's upside to both depending on how, how you're looking at it. Um, I just, I, I have a, I'm still wrapping my head around the surge of Swift. So I'll get back to you there, but I, I would say, Based on that, if I had a pick right now, it would be Mixon. Gotcha. The uh, surge of Swift is definitely something that Love people hashtag. have seen. Yeah, exactly. Hashtag surge of Swift. What's the hashtag for the rise of ETN? I keep wanting to stop mm. talking about this guy on this show, Matt, and he continues to rise up ADP. In fact, in the Football Guys Players Championship over the last three days, he's up to an early third-round pick. I saw him go in the second round of a wow. Football Guys League this week. So. I just I I don't I I understand why people are taking him that high, but to me, you're taking him at his ceiling there in the in the late second, early third. Are you on board with that? Is he a guy that's easy for you to skip over at that price? Um, I, I would say I'm on board with that. I would say n- another hashtag ha- hashtag uh, free T law. 
Um, I, you know, there's, uh, I, I think a lot of people are seeing the potential in someone breaking out for the Jags and Trevor Lawrence and offense finding more success. You know, I think the rise of, I was looking back at last year's draft position for Travis Etienne and, um, it may be more of a story of his competition fading than, um, you know, like a, a resurgence in belief or, or facts. So I was looking at like, who, who, who was I, you know, last round, last year, I think he was going in about the fourth round, mid, mid fourth. And I looked at who, who was, who was I drafting there last year, potentially. And it's names like Sanders and Montgomery and Carson and Robinson. Right. And so, you know, uh, addition by subtraction, I, I think, uh, old, old hat guys fading in the background. You have Travis Etienne, um, kind of leapfrogging to the pack as, um, potentially like an unknown lot, uh, unknown lottery ticket for, for the third, for the third round. So I, that's what I would guess is, is the story I've taken, uh, Etienne twice already, uh, as early as three dot three. So, um, and that, that choice, uh, Eric, as we were talking approved by, my regular co-manager, Mike Stanowski. So, which, which um, by the way, and we should give Mike, Mike Stanowski a shout out. Yeah. At, at Paradox, he's on Twitter at Paradox, right? Is that what it is? I, I got a, uh, there's something else to it. I got, I'll, I'll find it. I didn't want to give him too much credit, but no. uh, he's at, at Mike Stanowski is what he, uh, okay. Stanowski, right. S-T-A-N-O-W-S-K-I. All right. Yep. And, and I should know this because Mike was a guest about 13 months ago on this show, the Paradox himself. Um, who apparently is a good buddy of Bill Murray's, which I, I forgot about. Um, so, we'll but forgive yeah, Mike, him for being a Cubs fan. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> not much we can do there. Mike Stanowski, um, a guy who um, was a was, – he was a gamer himself. Is he still a gamer? Uh, no, he's a re- retired gamer, works in the tech business. So funny. So how Mike and I became friends is I, uh, I managed a competitive Counter-Strike team out of college, and Mike was a starting player on my team. So we discovered him in the local Midwest gaming scene. Uh, he was actually drafted to a professional league in California called Championship Gaming Series, and so we've been we've been friends for 16 years, and we've channel, uh, channeled our passion for Counter Strike into uh, fantasy football. Uh, he's his he still has some of his skill. Mine have all faded years ago, but yeah, he can. Uh, he's not a bad. Uh, uh, we'll say like eighth round draft pick if you want to play Counter-Strike uh, on the internet. <laughs> and, and Mike, by the way, has won well over a dozen high-stakes leagues at the FFPC. He was in Pros versus Joes last year, and he's your co-manager in Pros versus Joes this year, too. Yeah, yes, he is. Glad to have him in my corner. Yeah, Mike, Mike, uh, you know, Mike goes hard into anything he, he tries. So, so the volume he's gone through over the past uh, few years at FFPC is phenomenal. And, uh, you know, he, he had a rough year last year, so I'm, I'm hoping to help him uh, bounce back a bit. All right, so, so that's good to hear because – when you guys are, he's your quant essentially, right? He's your analytics guy. He's your data guy. Yeah. In the past, uh, he's been taking that role. I think, you know, this, uh, because I have more free time on my hands here, it's possible I'll be stepping up some duties. I I've had a really busy three years of work. And honestly, I felt like, uh, my, my time invested in fancy has dropped off a little bit, but not, not this year. Like I've no excuses this year. Um, you was a glowing review of this co-manager yeah, until you yeah. now begin to say you're going to usurp some of his responsibilities. <laughs> and he had a rough year last no, year. No, so not not you, not usurp. I'm here to help him out, like a like a good teammate. He's he's carried well, a lot of weight over the years, and I'm I'm going to come in and try to do more of my part this year. Farrell, I, I wish I, I, I wish I, I had, had a player, Balky, a, a co-manager that could have talked yeah. positive like that about well, me. Exactly. That was yes, I, we all do. We all do. I just imagine like the pie was like this, right? 
but now that 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 the the fantasy work pie, right? All oh, the stuff yeah. that needs to be done, like all the it. fantasy prep. Like it was like this, but but now that Matt can take on a bigger role, it's not like he's taking away from Mike's. No, like I think the pie just gets bigger, it's right? Fancy. Yeah, I it's think that's way. I, I you know, guys, I wonder with Etienne. Uh, I wonder if part of the movement uh, up the draft boards might have to do people are looking at the head coach and say, what has he done with players like this before? And, you know, uh, Peterson coached uh, Jamal Charles and he uh, would coach Darren Sproles. And, you know, those are two very successful. I think we would take that from Travis at the end this year. I've, I've got a question about running backs, about a player that I like. And I think now that I look at the depth chart, I think I might like him a little too much. And that's Daryl Henderson. Balky and I have both talked about how we don't think there's that big a spread between the players. Obviously, we're in the minority because uh, FFPC drafters have been drafting Cam Akers third round, Balky, all year. And uh, yep. Henderson, Daryl Henderson is in 11th or 12th. I want to throw another player into this mix. And that's uh, Kyron Williams, the, the rookie out of Notre Dame. I look at what the Rams did with this draft. They have very little use for draft picks, and this is the only offensive relevant uh, fantasy player that they took in the draft. And I think back to the previous year when they took Ben Skoranek, another Notre Dame player, and they said, we're going to make this guy a receiver. We're going to make him a special teamer. And they forced this player into situations, including play in the Super Bowl after Beckham got hurt. So I wonder if they take the same position with Kyron Williams and say, we're going to make this guy have his touches. We're going to make this guy be responsible as uh, in our running back mix. I'm curious how he affects Akers. I'm curious how he affects Henderson and Balky. I'd be curious to know if anyone is drafting him and if I'm just sitting around talking about him and imagining that he's going to actually do something. And Matt, most importantly, uh, your understanding of the championship Rams backfield yeah i i I haven't really studied uh kyron williams that name's gonna go my radar i I think for me it's um not really a supreme belief in daryl henderson or uh it's it's just feeling that he'll probably get a bigger share of the rams backfield um than than uh you know i i don't i don't i'm not knocking cam Akers, but i just i just don't have a strong belief in him that's so me I, too. I'm right I, there with you. So I, I, I don't know what the, you know, it, again, last year was a, was an odd year with him coming back from injury. Um, you know, both, both players have some fumble problems, but it seemed like Cam was still um, fighting for share, you know, deep into the, the playoff run. So for me, it, it, it seems like a good, good value play, but um, I, I think I've picked him up uh, a couple times uh, so far in uh, July I'm probably slightly over-indexed on him at this point. I, I feel like I've gotten my um, pre-August share already, but uh, I, I, I don't think it's a bad. I think it's a it's a solid bet to get some shares of Darrell on your on your teams. Um, by the way, uh, Kyron Williams is being drafted, Farrell. Um, he is uh, going in the 19th round of Football Guys drafts right now. Uh, Cam Akers has actually slipped a little bit to the uh, early fourth round, and Daryl Henderson. For those of you who are interested in grabbing him running back 47 at the uh, middle of the 11th round by right behind Michael Carter, Kenneth Gainwell, right ahead of Tyrion Davis price and Tyler Algar kind of where you'd expect a, a player of his ilk and his uh, situation to go. 
Uh, coming off a couple of bad years in Chicago, Matt, Allen Robinson gets the best quarterback he's ever had throwing to him in Los Angeles in Matthew Stafford. But how successful is he going to be when you have otherworldly alien fantasy football receiver Cooper Cup on the other side? He's going to dominate again. At least that's what we think. So how good can Allen Robinson be this year for people investing in him in the Football Guys Players Championship or the main event? Yeah, I, I think Cooper Cup is, is going to do just just fine this year. But, you know, how many players have we actually seen maintain that elite level, you know, year over year or even repeat it within a, a five year span? So I, I feel like there's got to be some regression. And, you know, I think there's plenty of opportunity uh, in the Rams receiver core um, for a, a player with the talent of Allen Robinson and the talent of Matthew Stafford. So um, I'm, I'm bullish on him. I, I'm not over indexing on on Robinson, but I, I have taken him a time or two. Um, I, I think I think it's a it's a solid bet. Is it a solid bet to get involved with with Adam Thielen this year? And do you do you feel sometimes that that fantasy players tend to hold a grudge? You know, Adam <laughs> Thielen is moving up in 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 age and. And people want to say that he's through. And he was having a glorious year last year, not only catching passes from the very first game of the season, uh, 10 targets, nine catches. He had a fantastic year and 95 targets through the first 13 games. And then he gets hurt. And you don't have him for week 14. You don't have him for week 15. He comes back in 16. Fantasy players put him in the lineup. He catches three or four balls early then re-aggravates the ankle. And, you know, I heard so many people say, Adam Thielen ruined my season. Well, what about the first 13 weeks? I wish I could have a player ruin my season like that in the first 13 weeks. This is a this is a wonderful ball player that I have not drafted this year, and I wonder if I'm making a mistake. And, you know, as far as I can tell, he's been tucked into that late sixth round. Balky, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it doesn't seem – he seems static in that draft spot. I don't know if that's the case or not, but uh, is this a player that's going to see your roster? I think, yeah, to answer your first question, yes, fantasy players uh, hold grudges. <laughs> it's always in the mind. As they say, like, you know, there's uh, the the most unhappy person in the room is the person standing out second place on the podium, right? So to get so close and then losing the end, yeah, I can completely understand why someone would hold a grudge. Um, I, uh, I, I think Thielen is a, a solid bet. I've taken him a time or two, you know, he, I don't want to over-index on him. My drafting approach is, uh, I, I like to spread out, um, a lot of my bets initially. Like I, I look for, um, you know, I think through different, different stories to get to those championship rounds, but I think Thielen is a, you know, a part of, uh, some of those stories. I, I went over-index on him. Yes. His age could be a concern. Yes. Future injury. Um, he is touchdown dependent, so I'm not a uh, I'm more of a redraft player than I am best ball. But I think um, all the all the players we've talked about so far, I think he's probably the best case to try to sneak into your best ball lineup, uh, just so you find yourself with less regret should he not go off in the weeks, and then appreciate him for the weeks he does go off. Mm. Uh, at Adam Thielen, by the way, right now is a indeed a six round pick. Um, Amari Cooper has actually been falling in drafts. He is going right ahead of Thielen right now, so Thielen might move past him shortly. But 
Uh, he's going right behind this glut of receivers in the mid-sixth round. It's Chris Godwin, it's Elijah Moore, it's Russell Gage, it's Amari Cooper, and then it's Thielen. And then after that, you get into the Michael Thomas, Hunter Renfro, DeAndre Hopkins area. None of those receivers that I named are the next receiver we're going to talk about. He's going about a round and a half after Thielen. His name is Christian Kirk. This is the Jacksonville Jaguars edition of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. As we talk a little <laughs> Christian Kirk here. Do you love Christian Kirk, Matt, as much as the Jaguars seemingly did in free agency when they gave him that bring tr- uh, brings truck full of money? <laughs> love love is a strong word again. I I'm the the type of drafter like I I you know every there's a price for everyone. Um, I think the price for Kirk is um, interesting uh, to to grab a cup put a couple bets on him, grab a couple of shares. Again, uh, hashtag free. T-Law, um, someone, someone's got to emerge, you know, um, I think this is a, this is a year to bet on um, kind of an unforeseen emergence of the Jags and capture some value there. Um, and, and again, whether you believe he's overpaid or not, like that's not going to affect um, this fantasy year, right? He's on the team. He's got a quarterback. He's worked in the rotation a shot to make wide receiver number one. So, you know, the, the bankroll doesn't matter. You can, you can laugh about that, but I, I just don't see how that's a, a relevant factor in your decision-making here for fantasy football. Ooh, Matt Marcoux is not following the money. Uh, that's <laughs> good. Interesting. You know, uh, you're the perfect agent for Lamar Jackson. Uh, the pros versus Joes. Um, talk to me a little bit about that. Balky um, does such a great job of presenting the players that participate in that. Um, it, it's interesting players in the KFFSC that uh, will say to me, uh, Farrell, can you put in a good word with Balky where I can get some consideration for the pros versus Joes? And I always do. And that just ruins their consideration if it ever had any. <laughs> no, else. But, it has no know, effect on their consideration. No, no, I think it ruined it. I think uh, they shouldn't ask me. Uh, this is, uh, no, this know. is, listen. I, I want to be very clear about this. Mm-hmm. There's been malfeasance and skullduggery in this industry before, mm-hmm. okay? Nefarious activities. Make, nefarious activity. Never by the FFPC. And I want to make that clear. What mm-hmm. you say, like, you can call me out. You can call me whatever you want. You can do mm-hmm. whatever you want to me. It cannot help or hurt your pros versus Joe's. No, yeah, it cannot. And and I'm a, I, our beloved friend and player, John Anderson, was so excited uh, to get in to get in the draft this year. And, I mean, a, a great player like you, Matt, you're returning after your inaugural play in, in 2016. And, you know, that was, that was back. Obviously you weren't 21 then you couldn't get in the casino. You must have played online <laughs> that year, but back in 2016, when you played in the pros versus Joe's and you, you finished that experience, did it do anything for you? Did it change or shift any way that you, you thought about playing or well, was it like a, a moment of uh, where you had an aha experience being in that kind of uh, competition? Uh, honestly, um, no, not in the moment. I think what it did was expose me to the the depth of the high stakes fantasy football community. Uh, it made me just consider um, the expertise, like the concept of the professionals, like, okay, what makes them professionals? What advice do they have? And, and seeing the designated, you know, names there, like people, people identified for me. So in 2016, you know, that was right before the second time uh, I'd ever drafted in Vegas. So I was very green, went to, went to my first FFPC draft. I only did one main event. I made the playoffs in that event. So I, I got, I got hooked. I found some success 
And for me, it was just like, oh, this is this is kind of an honor. This is a cool community activation. So for me, it was fun. Um, I again, I'm not a native best ball player. I can't say I really studied up for it. So I was just enjoying the ride. Um, and I, I got kind of lucky. It did. I did OK. I think I, I went, was 22nd out of 72 players that year. So um, I, you know, I looked back at my draft board and I was like, what was I? What was I thinking on this draft? I really couldn't remember it, like what I was what I was thinking my construction. So I'm, I'm guessing there wasn't, you know, too much depth of thought in my, in my head um, at the time. To- at the time, you know, I faded tight ends that year. I faded quarterbacks, um, and somehow I did o- I did okay. So I think, but I think it, it just led me to the door of where expertise was, and I think um, I've just tried to apply that as as much as I can. And I uh, and I predominantly play the FFPC format, so. I think that's what's just kind of focused me on FFPC uh, rules and exposed me to best ball. Um, again, I, I, I didn't become a deep best ball player, but uh, it did open the door for the community to me. You are picking along with um, Mike Stanowski, your, uh, your co-owner. You guys have the first pick. So this Strike first, strike pick. hard. You've, you've yeah. set us up for success here. How can we lose, right? Yeah, um, and uh, ironically, you are in the You're Dead Meat League of the FFPC pros versus Joe's. I can only believe that the other 11 teams in there are dead meat, not you guys. This is interesting, Matt, because as I'm looking at the draft order for your draft, which you are drafting Monday, not this coming Monday, but the following Monday, August 1st, you are the final Joe in that lineup to appear on the high stakes fantasy football hour. Everybody else has already been on the show. So now it is a clean sweep. You have completed. The unit is complete. The force is complete. Now you guys are picking first. Lou Tranquilli, Bill Van Ormer, who was last week's guest, yeah. is in that draft as well. Phil Hooten, former FFPC main event overall uh, uh, winner, $500,000 winner. John Hurd, who's been on this program. And, of course, the Irish CEO, Shane Wingard, is picking 11th in that draft. I'm looking at the Joes, and, like, so Josh Hayes from Rotoballer, which you can hear me, SiriusXM, Monday mornings with Josh Hayes and uh, Real Talk Raf, uh every m- Monday morning. Josh Hayes has done this a bunch He's pretty successful. Doug Orth has been in this before. Pat Corain, who drafts in the FFPC main event. Dan Williamson from the Ghost District, who's basically like a pro and a Joe. Uh, then Liam Murphy from Fantasy Points. I don't know if he's ever picked in it. And Bob Lung, um, who is a longtime pro in the pros versus Joes, is picking in this as well. This is going to be a very fun league. I mean, pa- Farrell and I will be covering it. I don't know how fun it will be for you and Mike. You guys might be more stressed. But you're welcome to come on and make a couple of picks on air. Oh, that'd be cool. Absolutely. No, there's, I mean, there's, there's no stress. I mean, I, again, I I don't know how many of these guys I've drafted before previously live, but um, yeah, we, we see it as a, as a challenge and it's been great to just meet people in person. I think that takes some of the, the scariness out of them right. when you realize they have to put their uh, pants on one leg at a time as well. Um, so, I mean, Mike and I will be team youth uh, here uh, and we're ready to take on the world and take down a chip. Uh, ironically, Lou Tranquilli, I can confirm, puts his pants uh, on two legs at a time. Two, so two, two, two he might have a, no pun intended, he might have a leg up uh, in that. Uh, <laughs> uh, two, two legs up. Yeah. Two legs up. <laughs> two legs up, exactly. Uh, a couple of emails here for you, Matt. Uh, Bill in Washingtonville, New York. Hey, Matt, how concerned are you about Travis Kelsey in his age 33 season taking a big step back in fantasy production? Thank you. That is Bill in Washingtonville, New York. Thank you for watching, Bill. We appreciate it. Travis Kelsey's going um, basically at like I want to say like the 109 um, in in football guys players championships right now, uh, 108 on average. So, you know, obviously most fantasy owners don't have they're not seeing the the drop off. Are you seeing any kind of drop off from Kelsey this year? 
No, I, I'm taking him with confidence. Um, I, I love the fact that folks are down on him a little bit. I mean, his, uh, his resume speaks for itself, being, you know, one or two fantasy tight end over the past five or six years. Um, look, you know, time catches up with everyone at some point. You can't predict that. But he looked he looked great last year, um, you know, with lack of Tyreek Hill. Uh, he's the OG left in Mahomes' offense. So uh, you got to imagine that he's going to be great to start the year. That That's how I'm banking. Um, yeah, you know, being 33, um, if the falloff comes, it's going to come later in the season. Um, so if that's coming, you know, hopefully time to adapt and pick up some tight end back up on the waiver wire, but I'm, I'm drafting him with, with full confidence. And I, I like that he's maybe fallen a tick, um, from last year. I think it creates some interesting, um, uh, starts to the draft in that, around that, uh, that turn position, the one, two turn. You know, as long as you bring it up, I wonder if I can, and, and what's great about fantasy Mojo's website is he, he keeps up you know, all the draft data from, from 2021 uh, and, and, and the years before that as well. And I'll just bring up the main event ADP uh, from last year. This is like the last ADP that we had um, right before the season started. Travis Kelsey was going at the 104. So you're right. About a third of a round drop from, from um, you know, 11 months later, uh, he's going at the 108 in drafts right now. Is that a commentary on, um, you know, no Tyreek Hill being in the offense and the defense can show more attention to Kelsey. I'm not sure, uh, but he is going a little bit later to your point. One more email before Farrell asks you our final question of the night. And it comes from Jim in Charlotte. What's up, Matt? Assuming the Texans are throwing a lot in second halves this year. Are you team Nico Collins or team John Mechie? That is Jim in Charlotte. So he leaves Brandon Cooks out of the equation, probably because Cooks is going way higher than both Collins and Mechie. How do you look at this, Matt, between those two? You know, I, I actually don't have a great read on, on Mechie. I would say um, uh, I am uh, I, I, I don't believe that uh, Mills is a, a lame duck quarterback. I think he can he can hang as a quarterback. You're right. There's probably going to be some positive game scripts, um, a lot of throwing in the second half. Um, so I, I think there's more value out there besides Cooks in the wide receiver core. Uh, I think there's going to be um, you know, plenty of, plenty of yards, uh, for receivers there. So, um, it is an opportunity. I, I don't have a good read on Mechie. Um, so I've been, I picked up Nico Collins at least once and, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to throw some darts that way. Beautiful. Matt, I, I, a number of guys accused me of this and I, I think you might fall in this category as well is, is, is you love, all the players you can find something to love in in any player so this next <laughs> question may be difficult for you so i'll ask you who do you really really love and then the toughest question i've ever encountered in fantasy football is to predict the bust and it doesn't have to be a first round bust and it doesn't really have to be a bust it just has to be a player that you don't want on your roster for any various reasons, there are certain players that I can never figure out whether I want them in the lineup or not. Consequently, I avoid them in the draft because I don't want to have to deal with that uh, decision-making process and and questioning myself and making changes 10 minutes before game time. Love and hate, uh, who are they, Matt? Yeah, I've been pretty agreeable, uh, this conversation, so I'll start with the hate. Um, <laughs> make a, I'm making a blanket statement here. Uh, I'm very hesitant to draft any players off of NFL teams who have birds for mascots. 
Oh, um, I'm just fading birds. Birds aren't real. Um, that's my that's my hashtag this year. Birds hashtag, aren't real. Hashtag fading birds. Hashtag birds aren't real. Birds aren't real. Hashtag. Um, so uh, you know this. I, I think this is really easy. So correct me if I'm I'm wrong. But AJ Brown is my uh, my earliest and easiest fade this year. Um, just he looked terrible last year. Obviously some injuries. But I, I don't think he's moving to a, a favorable, off, more favorable office in any in any facet. Um, so that's I would say that's my my big fade. Um, you know, I, again, I am you know there's there's a there's a price for everyone, but for him, I just I'm I'm just having the hardest time um, finding that 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 price exactly. Um, but yeah, I'll go with I'll go with birds aren't real. But yeah, if there's any other any other hate darts you want me to throw, uh, I'm happy to throw a couple more. Uh, bear this in mind too and nobody's really talking about it correct me if I'm wrong guys I feel like the last two years when AJ Brown was a titan if you had him in any of your leagues weren't you tuning in to figure out if this dude was even going to be active on Sundays like yeah. eight, eight, nine, ten Sundays out of the season there was so much management with his knees the last couple of years and I don't think that's all of a sudden going to change in Philadelphia to Matt's point AJ Brown 307 right now in drafts that is ahead of DJ Moore, Mike Williams, and then the glut going in front of uh, behind him, beg your pardon, in the early fourth round, Cortland Sutton, Jalen Waddle, Marquise Brown, and Deontay Johnson. Lot to like about AJ Brown, but he does come with some red flags. No red flags discovered. With tonight's guest, who we follow on Twitter at Matt Marku, the seven-time FFPC main event and football guys league champ, who with his partner Mike Stanowski drafting in the pros versus Joes on Monday, August 1st, right here on this YouTube channel with the first overall pick. Undoubtedly, it will not be A.J. Brown. I'm willing to put that in the stone right now. I think it'll probably be somebody else there. We can't wait to see it. If you uh, if you and Mike can hop aboard, make a couple of picks on air, just at least one pick on air, just want to hang out and talk with us during the draft, that would be cool too. Matt, it was a pleasure having you on tonight. Be good. And, well, I'll, I'll pop down there one of these days. Water Street Pub and Grill, AJ O'Brady, something like that. We'll 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 chop it up. Absolutely, we'll find a spot. All right, you got it, Matt Marku, oh. ladies and gentlemen. Okay, for Eric. Great to see you. Good luck. Have fun. <laughs> nice. I love it. Fantastic. That that he's bringing his own production, which is it just shows how far we need more this show is lacking in production. We, we love need. it, Matt. Be good. We'll talk to you on the hopefully talk to you on the first. Yep. Thanks, guys. Matt Marcoux, ladies and gentlemen, a seven-time FFPC Main Event Football Guys League champ and maybe overall winner in the pros versus Joes this year. We'll see. He just cares about finishing first in his league so him and Mike Stanowski can get that sweet, sweet 2023 FFPC Main Event uh, free entry. That's what he cares about. That's what anybody should care about. Finishing overall is nice, but as Hudson Kern-Reeve would point out in the YouTube chat right now, Finishing first overall doesn't really get you anything other than bragging rights, which he still has. Um, So let's get into some other emails tonight, Farrell, before we sign off. we got a few minutes left. Let's get into, uh, no, not George, Lance in L.A. Is Alan Lazard a sleeper this year? I figured Balky would be the expert on this. I'll hang up and listen. That is Lance in Los Angeles. Farrell, you'll appreciate this. Uh, on my local radio show in Northeast Wisconsin, we have a Packers analyst come on during the season. And he, uh, when he talks about Alan Lazard, he always pronounces his last name Lazard instead of Lazard. And I always think of Commandant Eric Lazard from Police Academy every time he says that. So now every time I think about Alan Lazard, I always think of Police Academy. It brings a smile to my face. And I'll tell you what, 
It's going to bring a smile to your face if you're drafting Alan Lazard in drafts this year. For whatever reason, despite this guy being the most experienced, the the the, the guy who's at his prime um, more so than any other Packers receiver this year, the guy that that um, is is really the only player assured of a starting job in the Green Bay uh, wide receiver core, continues to get disrespected. Mm-hmm. He's moved up a little bit, but he's still a late seventh-round pick. Farrell, I'm on board with Alan Lazard in the seventh. Now, if it gets a little crazy, you know, I don't know if I'm taking him in the early sixth or anything like that, but late seventh, I'm still on board. Would you still take Renfro over him? I still would take Renfro over him, yes. Okay, because it's very interesting where where Lazard is going, with where Dylan is going and where Rodgers is going. You can have a very nice late Packers stack that should pay a little bit of something for you. I kind of like this situation. This is the kind of player, along with some of the players we've talked about already tonight, that will keep me purchasing uh, football guys' teams as we get ready for the main event to, where I can help put together exactly the way I want to attack it. But these are players that I don't have a lot of uh, ownership shares in that I think that uh, I will uh, continue to look closely as our preseason develops. But, yeah, there's for the first time in my history as a fantasy player, there's not a lot of respect uh, for the Packers uh, in in these early early drafts. And you can make the case that the Packers, given their their defense is as good as I can remember it in the last yes. seven years, um, and their and their backfield, maybe the, Jones and Dylan, and it, it's hard for me to to really make a strong case over anybody else. They might be the best duo uh, in the NFL right now. And Aaron Rodgers is coming up on the twilight of his career. This is what he could use is a strong defense and a strong running game to yep. carry him um, where he doesn't have to carry this team anymore. So I think you can make the case for that. Lazard is still going to get catches. Um, he's going behind Devontae Smith. I'd rather have Lazard. He's going behind Drake London. That's a little bit closer. I think I'd still rather have Lazard, but it's close. Yeah, and then DeAndre Hopkins is going ahead of him. Hopkins, yeah, he's he's awesome, but he's missing the first dozen games of the season. That's a tough pill to swallow when you're trying to get to your uh, to your league playoffs. Um you know, coming up in, in, in week 13. Uh, let's get to the next email here in Aspermont, Texas. It's George. What about George? Uh, which, if any, oh, this goes uh, with Kern Ree's question in the chat from earlier. Which, if any, Niners running back should I be drafting once Elijah Mitchell is off the board? Thank you for the uh, email, George. So, Farrell, let's frame it like this. Number one, do you like Elijah Mitchell in draft Love right him. now? As you okay, so you do. He is going at um, as I get the mojo on Elijah Mitchell. He is uh, running back twenty four in the sixth round right now. He actually we were talking about Josh Jacobs earlier. He's basically going at the same spot as Josh Jacobs. We found out this week that Jeff Wilson is going to be the primary backup at least to start the season behind Elijah Mitchell. They also have Trey Sermon there. They also have Tyrion Davis Price. Um, so how do you sort of handicap the rest of the field behind Elijah Mitchell? Um, let's say fairly, let's frame it like this. Let's say you don't get Mitchell in drafts. You're looking for a running back later, um, for, uh, you know, just a, a lottery ticket type guy that can make your team dominant down the stretch. Is there anybody there in San Francisco? Well, there used to be, he's now in Miami as Mostert. So I would say avoid this completely. I took Wilson, uh, in the twenties in some of our, uh, best ball contest in our 125, never too early Drafts and, and I'm glad to see you know Wilson has had some some good days, some good Sundays in the league. But no, I think there's too much. You know, we we talked about Williams tonight at LA. There's backups at Cincinnati. Uh, there's there's too many running backs that I like, uh, mainly because my 
appreciation of Elijah Mitchell is so strong. I don't think that's the kind of player, barring injury, that comes off the field. I, I think this is, a, this is a guy that's going to approach leading the league in snaps uh, because of the various things he can do and the explosive aspect that he brings to that backfield. And I think this is a football team that's going to need him. Um, we had a question from the uh, chat. This is uh, Hudson Reeve again. He wants to know if Ronald Jones took a big hit this week after that report from Chiefs Wire. It was it was weird because I believe it was the same same outlet. One guy saying that Jones would make the team and and could start the the or could get the starting job, and then another guy who thinks that he may not make the team. And I, I think fantasy owners are a little bit torn on what to do with Jones and drafts this week. I said he slipped maybe a half round, maybe a full round, but not not much more than that. Farrell, what what do you make of that report? Uh, is this just somebody looking for something to write about at this point, or is there something yeah. to Ronald Jones may not make this team? Late July nonsense and a team that really knows what they're doing. Do you think they would go out and bring this player in in free agency if they didn't? This is, this is a team that's well-managed on the field and off the field. He's a player that's going to be given a chance. There's no reason to think that his skill set uh, is any different than what it was in, in Tampa. And more patience from Andy Reid will lead to more success for Ronald Jones. No, it's, it's, it's pure nonsense, I would, I would imagine. Adam in Cincinnati writes, uh, hey, guys, who is the correct person to believe in J.K. Dobbins gate? Is it Rappaport <laughs> or is it Dobbins himself? Thanks. That's Adam in Cincinnati. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, this was weird because Rappaport came out and said uh, there, that there's a, you know, there's a belief that Dobbins may not be ready for week one. And then Dobbins retweeted that report saying, come to me. I'm the source. You better believe I'll be out there uh, for week one. In fact, they may not even go on the pup list, which to me is kind of a weird thing to say. If you're saying that you're going to be out there week one, well, then the pup list, you know, let, let's not even talk about it because you believe yeah. you're going to be out there. I historically, <clears throat> excuse me, Farrell, have always had a tough time um, going with what players are saying about their own injuries because they tend to be very positive, very rosy, very strong uh, in their confidence that they'd be out there. However, um, they are not the ones making the choices. Uh, the yeah. team is. And the team, to me, wants to protect Dobbins. They don't need him for September. They need him for November and December and January. So I think I'm, I'm leaning more towards Rappaport here. I think that Dobbins could be out there, but I think there's significant doubt. And, we, you know, the Dizzle's been saying for months that, you know, one of the reasons Mike Davis got signed by Baltimore is they believe that Dobbins and Edwards are, are still going to be hurt. And so they had to bring in somebody who could – carry the water. That's Mike Davis. So I'm, I'm more team Rappaport here. I agree with that. I would have to understand what Rappaport's source is and, and to see, but you know, really only the trainer knows and, but you're exactly right. Ball players that are quoted, especially at this time about being back in the future. Uh, unless it's a guy that, that has been around the league a long time and has dealt with his physical situation uh, of getting himself ready to play. You, you can look askance at that. I've had players that in cast on Tuesday that tell me they're going to play on Sunday. Exactly. It's, it's yeah, you, you, uh, the players are wired to participate and wired to believe in the system. He's buying into the system in the training room. He's got people working with him every day that tell him and are giving him encouragement. Nobody's telling him he can't play. And, man, I hope he does get back to the field because I love watching him play. But he's going a little high based on the availability that I think he is. And, of course, Dizzle always knows. Uh, and and Davis, could, uh, Davis could contribute. 
Dobbins, uh, a 503 in ADP. Right. After that initial report, I, he did slip a little bit. In fact, over the last three days, he actually slipped all the way to the 610 in one football guy's draft, but still 5-3. Somebody took him in the third round this week, too, so it's all over the board right now, J.K. Dobbins. Final email of the night. It comes from Al in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. Hey, Farrell and Balky, I saw Leonard Fournette was apparently a donut away from 260 points <laughs> at minicamp. Does that mean I should stay away from him at his ADP? That's Al in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. So this was interesting. Rick Stroud, who covers, I believe, the, I know he covers the Buccaneers, but I believe it's for the Tampa Bay Times, was on a podcast this week. And he said that that Fournette, and that, that was his quote, by the way, he was a donut away from 260 at minicamp where they had the veterans had to show up. That was about six weeks ago. Um, it's never concerning. I beg your pardon. It's always concerning to see your running back who you just gave a three-year deal to to tip the scales at 260 pounds. Um, according to my research that I saw, that he said he was playing. He said he was playing last year at 240. 245 so maybe 260 isn't that big of a deal but my spidey sense uh got turned up when i when i heard stroud say that leonard Fournette has climbed the rankings running back 12 at the end of the second round right now um travis Etienne, i i think i might rather take him over Fournette. camara i don't know and chubb doesn't catch passes so i'm a little bit nervous about Fournette. but it's not like i'm dropping him drastically down my draft boards right now well <laughs> It shows the preparation and mental focus when you show up and you you leave yourself open to this kind of of commentary. Um, I don't know what the reason is, and and but he's likely he's a big bodied back training uh, in Tampa. It's not going to take long for him to wash off those pounds. Now, if his attitude is uh, uh, inconsistent with being prepared as his body is not prepared here in July to play in September, then that might be a different thing. But, uh, you know, Fournette wore out a welcome in Jacksonville. He has thrived in Tampa. I think he's probably knows what he's doing and he'll find his place and it'll be quickly forgotten as soon as he breaks through the, uh, uh, the A and B gap and keeps running. If he turns into Lombardi Lenny again in 2023, Nobody will be talking about Fat Lenny from 2022. That is for darn sure. Farrell, it was a pleasure. Um, we will do this again on Sunday night for uh, some pros versus Joes as we kick off that competition. Two full hours, I believe, starting at um, uh, 8 o'clock that night, okay. 8 o'clock Eastern, 8 to 10. I will see you then, my friend. Thanks so much, and uh, be good. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you in a couple of days. Thank you, Bob. Follow Farrell on Twitter at J Farrell Elliott, the KFFSC on Twitter at KFFSC. And of course, KFFSC.com is where to check out all those great leagues that I'm participating in. Hey, some spots left in the bourbon turn. If you want to come down to Louisville or come up to Louisville or over to Louisville, depending upon where you're flying, um, and join that draft at 7.30 Sunday morning. It's always a rager, always a lot of fun. Uh, as all the Kentucky Live main events and online drafts are that uh, I might be coming up on a pick right now in my slow draft there. I'll have to take a look at that after the show is over, which is about to come to a conclusion. I want to thank Matt Marcoux. I want to thank Farrell Elliott, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and of course, each and every one of you for watching slash listening. A uh, special happy birthday to a couple FFPC players, Derek Hendrickson and Kathleen Killeen. Kathleen Killeen, who was one of, God, I, I feel like she was one of the first half dozen guests we ever had on this program 12 years ago. So happy birthday to her as well. As I teased with Farrell, we are back Sunday. 8-7 Central for League One. It's the 2022 
FFPC pros versus Joe's balance is key league. The pros uh, in that, well, let's get to the Joe's here. Joe's in that contest, Daniel Osorio, uh, Jake Wade, Adrian Quintana, David Garcia, James Kearney, and then, of course, a couple of former guests of this show, Chris Carlson and Henry Mudo also be drafting on Sunday night. The pros, uh, Estadio Fantasies, Mar Mauricio Gutierrez will be drafting, Shane Hallam from Draft Countdown, Establish the Runs, Evan Silva, Jared Smola from DraftSharks, FootballGuys.com, Sigmund Bloom, Scott Connor from Dynasty and Chill as well. That will be a very, very fun draft. And we'll cover all the picks right here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour on the FFPC YouTube channel. Uh, if you take nothing away from this broadcast tonight, take this away. The FFPC main event early draft slot deadline is midnight Pacific time. Make sure you are pay, uh, buying all your teams, getting all your teams, getting that um, additional team discount. And uh, that way, if you do that by midnight uh, Pacific on Monday, you will have your draft slot by August 1st. Whether you're drafting in mid, late August, early September, um, that could be months worth of prep that you can get done um, that maybe a lot of your other competition won't. So take any advantage possible. There's a million dollars up for grabs in that. If you want to win that million, this would be a good way to do it, uh, to start prepping early and often for that. Uh, main event slow drafts, if you want to jump in those, they're going off right now. Uh, multiple football guys drafts going off each and every day. Uh, make sure you're signing up for that, trying to win that $500,000 grand prize. The 2022 FFPC Best Ball Tournament and inaugural Superflex Best Ball Tournament are getting closer and closer to capacity. Uh, that's at myffpc.com. You want to play some dynasty leagues? We have plenty of dynasty leagues going on at myffpc.com. And then slow, live, and sit-and-go drafts as well, all with the FFPC. The Run to Daylight Championship, the Draft Masters, the Kentucky Main Event, all going on at kffsc.com. And that's it. It's a weekend of drafting. You can officially stop viewing, officially stop listening. Of course, only after you like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. We really appreciate everything you do for the FFPC YouTube channel. We'll be back on Sunday. Your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and was watched around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, more interviews, and more advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk with you again next week. Uh, by the way, I'm actually heading down. I told Matt this via email. I'm heading down to his neck of the way um, tomorrow for my nephew's, I believe, third birthday party. So a happy birthday uh, to uh, to Sam Balkman. Uh, very excited to uh, to celebrate tomorrow. And by the way, I'll be uh, commissioning drafts all day too. So uh, hopefully um, you guys um, are joining those football guys drafts. I will see you in those draft rooms. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you on Sunday night for pros versus.